Ladies and gentlemen, you are back in the lab with Hoopsology. I am your co-host, Matt Thomas, joined by my best friend and co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing? Doing really good. How about yourself, man? Doing well, thank you. We had a weird off night randomly on a Tuesday night with no competition that everyone was kind of talking about and reacting to. But I guess, you know, good to hit the pause button, maybe. Wanted to ask you, there's been a lot of talk, some uh, humorous, some outrage, some strong fanhood towards, but these in-season tournament courts, I've seen, you know, my team, the Rockets court, not too impressed with it. Some people are saying, you know, it's just really straining the eyes when they're watching. Some people, of course, love the design. So not really uniformity here. What are your thoughts on these in-season tournament courts? I think we both agree the in-season tournament is awesome. But what do you think of the courts specific? Um, I like the idea, like the premise. Some of the execution I find to be weird, but some of it's pretty cool. And I think um, oh man, what's his name? Um, Skeets on um, No Dunks had a really good point. I think it was his mother-in-law. And she's not a basketball fan and the game was on and just the courts caught her eye. So Mm. from a marketing standpoint, I think it's worked perfectly. It gives it to say more of a official feel. I like it. Um, Maybe it can do some adjusting in terms of like the viewer at home, but overall I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. So kind of makes it stand out like, Hey, what, what's this special thing that's going on? That makes sense. Um, I, I will say I'm not a huge fan just of, not being able to see at all times, like all players, like it, it does feel like sometimes they blend in a little too much or, yeah. or maybe it's just, I don't know. It's kind of like, you know, everyone's bringing up the blue field in Boise state. <laughs> when you're watching a football game on their home field, it's, it's just an adjustment to get used to. I will say if they're going to do this, my opinion is take it a little bit more ridiculous. My favorite court that I've seen so far, I don't even like the city jersey design or anything like that, but the way the letters popped, I kind of like the indie court, <laughs> the best <laughs> of all of them, just because it's it's taking the ridiculous cartoonish aspect of it to the max. Yeah, it's so wacky. No, it's true. The the letters just just really pop out. <laughs> in that center court it's i don't know an interesting viewing experience but hey it's got us talking and that's one of the side benefits of this in-season tournament too it is drawing some extra attention so let's get into our main topics justin we've got kind of a hodgepodge collection of topics to cover since we are still early in the season and and we're kind of getting our feet set teams are getting grounded figuring themselves out too We're going to be looking at Wemby. We're going to be looking at Harden's debut against the Knicks. We're going to be looking at another classic LeBron in-game decision that everyone is freaking out about, even though it's a regular season game. We're looking at, while we can, as of the recording of this podcast, my Rockets are streaking. They're on a three-game win streak, so I'll celebrate that a little bit. And then some interesting... Uh, points, takeaway points from an Adam Silver interview with JJ Reddick. So that's going to cover our list of topics today, along with some ins and outs in between that you always get on our show. But let's start with kind of the least recent news, I think, of everything we've got listed here, but did want to cover this. Wemby had two breakout games, one an especially big breakout game against 
the Phoenix Suns, you know, that juggernaut that everyone's worried about in the West that are sitting two and three right now. The Spurs sitting at three and two under young Victor Wembenyama and his freakish. I think everyone's been calling him the alien play. He had 38, 10 and two against this Phoenix Suns juggernaut and the Spurs went on to win this game in regulation 132 to 121 and this is without Wemby having really like a steady point guard presence on this Spurs team so I just kind of want to check in with where you are if if there's any new thoughts that you've gained seeing Wemby now obviously just five games in uh dramatically ahead of schedule and yeah I think we, we talked to Danny Meringue about Scoot Henderson and how tough it is to be a rookie in this league. And I think sometimes when we see, you know, a rookie like this or, you know, other, you know, like Paula, Paula Banchero or other rookies that have huge years, they make it seem easy. We, we forget about the other rookie class and we discount how hard it is to really adjust to a first year. You're new. And like Danny was saying, you know, you take a look at a player like Czech Honren, right? Like he redshirted, so he knows everything in terms of the logistics of the league. Wemby doesn't know that. I mean, now granted, he played professionally, you know, overseas, but at the same time, this is his first time in a for a long period of time in America, in a new country, having to learn all new customs, hotel, everything, travel. I mean, this is a very, very new experience for him, and I think this speaks to his ability that he's performing this well. And in fact, um, as of the recording of this podcast, the listeners, you'll probably know how he performed tonight in Madison Square Garden, where that is always a huge platform to showcase your skills, especially against a Knicks team that is pretty decent. So this is going to be a great test to showcase his skills once again on a national TV platform. So he's had a schedule list of certain things he does I've never seen before. Um, he has that, he is, I would say, unlike any other player we've ever seen. I think it's really foolish to compare him to any other player because he's unlike any other player. And I think to call him an alien, I, I know he doesn't like that nickname. I, I think that's gone around today. He doesn't like that. But I think that's apt to describe him because he's unlike any other uh, player that we've seen in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems like the closest player comp you can get is Porzingis, but even still, it's very yeah. different. Uh, I think that's well said, and I I agree with what you said, and I'd especially emphasize the very first thing you told me, which is ahead of schedule. I I just didn't expect to be seeing thirty eight and ten and beating the Suns five games in, you know. So um, it, it is kind of unique too. You could argue like the Suns aren't set up to be the best defensive team or what have you, but either way, the Spurs get that W. I'm almost more impressed that they were able to keep the offense up uh, and keep pace with the Suns. So props to Wemby. And I'm, I'm really thrilled with what I see. I'm getting nervous about thinking that the Spurs weren't going to get to 30 wins. It seems like, uh, you know, already three wins out of their first five games, already a winning record. Of course, we know that can change. It's so early, they could flip to a losing record pretty quickly. But man, 30 wins definitely looks possible at this point, I, I will say, yeah. with no, uh, totally. how impactful he's been. And the team just has a lot of energy as well. 
And True. I think that, that speaks to, you know, his leadership. And I think that goes a long way where other teams, you know, they have really star rookies, but that the team doesn't really follow suit. There's clearly a magnetism with this team to win beyond there. So that's a great point. And, and one of those intangibles, like when, when you get a team that all of a sudden believes yeah. Like they're the team that can say like, we have Wemby, we have, you know, this, <laughs> this rare prospect, the, the highest rated prospect since LeBron James, um, there that can instill something in you that can go beyond the paper. Um, and that's what we're seeing early on so far. We had another debut of sorts, um, well, quite literally, the first debut, James Harden made his debut for the Los Angeles Clippers in a loss to the New York Knicks. This was on Monday night, uh, which was the 6th, I believe, yes. And no Clippers scored over 20 points. And I think I, I was reading some different takes on this. You know, we had uh, a team with four future Hall of Famers with that, you know, 2017 Warriors team once they they got KD. And it really never became an issue about the butter being spread too thin, so to speak, like not having enough basketball possessions for this team to work. I'm not as sold about this situation in LA. We talked about this together, Justin, right after that James Harden trade went down. It's one game, but any takeaways early just from this debut? I know this is going to be unpopular to say, but I actually liked him. It's the first mm. game, I know, but it just seemed to me just he just, it's not, doesn't have the burden of just being the number one guy. I think in the previous teams, even with Brooklyn, it seems like there is a little bit of a pressure for him to just perform. And I think here, I think he can kind of operate organically. Sometimes he can be the man. Sometimes he doesn't have to be. So I'm a little bit optimistic in terms of how he could fit in with this offense. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just in a, in a really nice mood today. But from what I saw, <laughs> I I really see the potential with this team this, this, despite their woes against the Knicks. But um, I get everybody's just uh, hesitation and also injuries, of course. I mean, all these guys have gone down with major injuries. So, I mean, the potential for this to be a disaster is still there. But, you know, I am more optimistic than I was before, just based on what I've seen so far. Yeah. No, I I love that take. Um, and I think my question you know we got to give them more time to gel i mean let, yeah. let's be honest it's one game uh so i don't want to make any big proclamations but when this team goes down in the playoffs and i do think that will happen <laughs> um i am curious to see where james harden is in that narrative that the media is going to spin like all of a sudden does he become the the scapegoat for this team um and i i think as we've said earlier, you know, my opinion hasn't changed on it's uh, a huge part of it is going to obviously depend on health. That's what we've been saying about the Clippers for so long. That's why we've had Clippers fatigue, but I, <clears throat> I do think it's potentially a good sign if we are getting an even balance of scoring and possession like this. I mean, maybe these guys together are going to be 
more self selfless. I think Paul George has been a pretty selfless player through his career. So, you know, tip of the cap to him. But if Kawhi and Harden are both on board and don't mind deferring to each other, or just going with the hot hand for that game, I mean, obviously it's it's good to have more options on the offensive side of the ball. So we'll we'll keep our pulse on this situation and uh, check back in with how they're doing for sure. Another kind of late game scenario unfolded on Monday night. Uh, the Lakers lost to the Miami Heat, if you didn't see it, 108 to 107. LeBron James driving down on the right-hand side had, I believe, Jimmy Butler guarding him. And Bam Adebayo started moving out of the key to cover him. LeBron throws an overhead pass to Cam Reddish who was in the corner, takes a corner three, basically wide open, had someone chasing after him, had a, had a really clean look, I would say, at a shot at the basket. And naturally having Tuesday off of the NBA, people are finding things to talk about. And they talk about LeBron's tendency to be a passer, distributor, you know, what what have you. This, this narrative that has... Uh, at times unfairly, I think, plagued LeBron James in, in his career. Thoughts about this? Talking year 21, LeBron, <laughs> what did you make of what you saw on this situation? Yeah, uh, this is typical. I mean, how, how many times have we seen this criticism of him passing the ball with his crunch time? So I'm not surprised. And it's a regular season, too. He's getting to trust his teammates. So I don't have a problem with it. Now, it, my preference would be for him to go the strong <laughs> to to the hole there. But overall, I mean, he's a fantastic passer. And, you know, if the shot goes in, we're not talking about how bad of a decision it is. So, mm. you know, I'm not I'm not really sweating it, in my opinion, especially since it's a regular season game. So no, nah, I agree with that. And I think in year 21, I mean, like a stop and pop shot, you know, rather than trying to challenge bam out of bio at, at the yeah, hole i mean unless right. you are so confident you're going to get that foul call um I, I think it is interesting the thing that is more worrisome or telling to me is you know anthony davis a little bit banged up in yeah. the game so that's that's the reason we're not talking about you know why wasn't he taking that last shot um year 21 you know lebron is still relied on in this position to close like this i did see also that coach darvin ham drew up this play there was like a pretty clear photo of his clipboard and the corner three circled there so lebron seemingly kind of being a good soldier which is in contrast to other audio that we've heard of lebron kind of pushing for more minutes, which obviously that has happened. I believe LeBron's averaging almost 36 minutes a game to this point in the season. Um, but I I don't have a huge freak out about LeBron passing out here, especially in the regular season. They did get a clean look. You can argue based on percentages that the LeBron, you know, even pull-up mid-range jumper is a higher percentage shot here. But we're talking a regular season game. And I think not always a bad thing to get this experience early, get this feel for yeah. this team as much as, you know, I've been down on the Lakers this year compared to other people analyzing this. Uh, but I find it difficult to get too worked up about this situation. No, it's just, 
you know, people don't like LeBron. It's the, this narrative has been going around since he's, you know, been in the league. So it's people just, like you're saying, man, he's something to talk about and kill him over. So. Absolutely. Um, So moving right ahead, as I mentioned in our introduction, the Rockets are on a three game win streak. The Rockets are 500 level basketball, three and three for the first time in over a thousand days I saw. Uh, So, Hey, this, this might be my only chance to celebrate (laughs) the Rockets three game win streak. They did win back to back games against the Kings to finish this off. Uh, They are playing the Lakers tonight. So the streak might be snapped by the time you guys hear this Um, conversation going around X or Twitter, whatever we're calling it is Shangun a top five center in the league. Where does he rank right now? Very common talking point that I've seen. Um, Rockets also to their credit before we move into the Shangun topic you know maybe the effect of dylan brooks and maybe more so the effect of coach Udoka. they are 13th in net rating in offensive rating and defensive rating so stark contrast from what we've seen the past three seasons for rockets basketball so great to see and moving back into the shangun topic i did want to kind of put feelers out as to where you and I kind of think he ranks among centers. I saw some folks posting their top 15 centers in the NBA and Shangun was not on that list. I would have Shangun top 15, but let's, let's go into this conversation, assuming, you know, all you hit the reset button on NBA 2k and all the rosters are cleared. And for whatever reason, we're drafting only centers first, so, so this is a center draft. I think we've got some some obvious centers that are potentially ahead or below Shangun. But I'll I'll just throw out you know kind of test question. Would you rather have Jokic or Shangun right now, Justin? I don't know. <laughs> you know the answer to that question. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Jokic, we're on the same page. I think it's fair to say Embiid right now. You you would rather have than Yoki or uh, excuse me than Shangun. I think Wemby is also fair with what we've seen that he can do if we're considering Wemby a center, which I think most people do. You know, there's there's some of these players too that are um, kind of in between positions, like AD, for example. Maybe not always been a center, but the past couple of years he's been a center. I think given his success, given that he's won a title, you know, and also trying to assume health in this scenario, I think it's fair to rank him above Shangun, right? Let me let me ask you a few more, I don't know, maybe maybe close ones. Bam at a bio. I would go with Bam. He's just been more consistent. I would too. Um, I think with Shangun, just as an overall, I, I think this might be a breakout season for him. I mean, right now he's averaging, you know, career highs in points and in rebounds. So yeah. I think it's one of those things, if it just remains permanent towards um, not even all-star break, but I would say MLK day. Um, I think he's going to really, really move up into that top 15. But if again, if he comes back to earth, that's why I'm kind of a little bit hesitant to get on the Sangoon uh, bandwagon a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I I would agree with your answer with Bam. Um, 
I think there are some things like um, like also Sabonis, who yeah. it's kind of a power forward center combo. Yes, Shengu now dueled him in their most recent game. I would say personally, you know, Sabonis has been to the playoffs. Sabonis has done some things. I just want to see. He's had more time in the league. Uh, Shangun with the same amount of time, you know, the hope for the Rockets would be that, that he's, uh, further above and beyond that, but he hasn't had that time in, you know, year three now of this experiment. Um, so let me ask a few more, uh, triple J Jaron Jackson jr. From Memphis thoughts. If, if your roster's empty, you're drafting one or the other, man, um, it's tough. Yeah. I've liked what I've seen with Seng Sengun. I think just taking, I don't want to get in a band. I just said that I don't want to get in a bandwagon, but I kind of liked what I've seen. I'll probably go with Sengun. Yeah, I it's, I think it, this might be yeah. one of, one of the lines here um, in, in terms of where he's over or under, right? Because I think some of this depends on like, do you value that defense in the center position, which Triple J, no doubt, is giving you the much better advantage there. Or do you, like, with the way the league is right now in the modern era, and we've seen Shangun sort of have, like, baby Jokic qualities to him with what he can create on offense, you know, I, I think that's kind of a, a toss-up for me. Obviously, Triple J has a little more proven track record to this point. But, you know, it's it's close to that Sabonis level, maybe, maybe just behind it. Um, all right. Let me ask a few more. I think these will be a little bit easier potentially from the Pelicans. One of my favorite names in the league, Jonas Valanciunas. Ah, what's it? Valanciunas borderline all-star or. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I probably would go with Valanciunas to be honest. Yeah. I was good. One of the best rebounders in the yeah, league. Yeah, and he's really valuable for that Pelicans team, so probably Valanciunas. Yeah, I think I would pick Shangun, but I don't – I think people that are – well, let's be honest, Rockets fans freaking out about Shangun. I, I don't think it's um, as heavily favored of a Shangun pick as, as people might think. <laughs> <laughs> um, now versus Miles Turner on Indiana. <sighs> another tough one yeah um close. i think i'd go with sangoon on that one i think i would too uh walker kessler from utah um he was kind of popping last season but from what i remember he kind of came back to earth um i'll go with sangoon i just think you guys i mean you and then um friend of the show um alan munsler i mean his rookie year i know he, alan was hype you both of you were hyping him up so and he's been pretty much living to that. So I, I would say I would go with Sengun. All right. I've got I've got three more and then we'll move on. Uh Rudy Gobert. Oh wow. Oh, tough one. I would go with Sengun. I just him and uh Kat. It just it seems like that's kind of like a not a great combination that's happening in Minnesota. Yeah, and if if we're drafting based on their ages right now, I think that's that's like a yeah. dividing line for me. If if they're both sure. rookies coming in, I think that's that's a tough decision. Since yeah, we've seen more of Rudy Gobert's co career. Um, mm -hmm. All right, um, not to get personal, Justin, but <laughs> Vucevic from Chicago, uh, Sangu. <laughs> 
Rather easily. And yeah. anyone in the Pistons front court. We know they have a lot of players in that front court. Yeah. Uh, I'll go with Sengun just to be nice. <laughs> so. so I think I think there is an argument here, you know, based on what what we've discussed, that he may already be knocking on the door of top ten. Yeah, and it just kind of depends on if you're drafting him for stock that you have placed in him right now, which is where I think he is top 10 in that potential growth in his age. Or if you're drafting based on like, like a need that you have right now to fill um, and, and a specific need to the team that you have. If, it, if it's like empty teams prospect wise, I, I will put my stamp on him being top 10 center prospect in, in this league. So yeah. anyway, I thought that'd be a fun exercise just while the Rockets still have yeah, for sure. things to celebrate right now. We'll go ahead and move off my, my Homer topic. And Justin, I, I know you have um, this last topic with Adam Silver, some info on here. Yeah. He um, sat down with JJ Redick of the old man in the three podcast. Um, got about 45 minutes with him. Um, just wanted to highlight a couple of things and then ask you a question. So yeah. I won't go through the entire interview. I encourage our listeners to go check it out. But I want to highlight a couple of things and then ask you just a, a question, Matt. Um, first, seemed like with Adam Silver, he seems like he's very regretful over the past few seasons, non-COVID, disregarding, I think, the coverage of the game, not focusing on the game of basketball. So mm. I think the game moving into more of an entertainment aspect with just i would say the all-star game and the, the performances he seems very very regretful about that and listening to the players and in regards to the all-star game cutting out a lot of like the fancy intros and the long national anthem maybe and the long halftime show like he was talking to chris paul and i think chris paul was saying a lot of the players can't prepare and they get distracted. So I, th I think the overall criticism was if they want the all-star game to be like a competitive game, they need, the players need to prepare. And they can't do that when it's all this pop and circumstance. So that was something he mentioned. Um, he, he mentioned about low management having an impact on their business from a fan point of view. Um, and saying that low management doesn't reduce injuries, that it may lead to injuries. Um, the data is inconclusive regarding that. Um, and I just wanted to point out just the in-season tournament so far. He's saying the reception has been better than expected. Um, there's the television ratings. Um, the first week, it averaged um, 1.7 million average viewers, a 35% increase from this time last year. Hmm. And so those are some of the notes I want to ask you in particular, Matt, and this is, <laughs> he spent a lot of time on this and this was unprompted by JJ Reddick. Adam Silver said he wasn't happy about the color commentary of a lot of the games he was listening out there. He said a lot of the color commentators focus on, you know, this player try hard or he, a lack of effort and not focusing on the X's and O's. And I've noticed with JJ Reddick with his commentary, he very much gets into play calling X's and O's breaking down film while the game's going on. He even mentioned, you know, compared to football where there's like 35 seconds of dead action, nothing's really happening where you can actually break down the plays. Basketball is a lot more fluid. But with Adam Silver's point, I agree with him in terms of other sports. I would say basketball with color commentary is the least, I would say, informative 
in terms of what's happening on the court. There's some exceptions, like Hubie Brown is commentating the game right now, and I think he does a fantastic job. I know some people have criticized him. I think he's awesome in terms of, like, I agree. you listen to him, you feel like you're going to school in terms of just, you know, learning about the game. But I feel like with other players who are color commentators, you don't really get that. So I just want to ask you, with color commentary, do you think the color commentary that we listen to, I would say – I don't know, since we've been basketball fans, has contributed to this hot take culture that we have specifically within the NBA in terms of, you know, when you listen to, for instance, not this season, but last season with um, Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, they're bickering. They're just, you know, it's a lot of just, hey, the, this rule sucks or it's a lot of emotion and not about like, hey, you know, this player didn't run that set well, or, hey, this is what happened in this play. It's not so much this player sucks. It's, hey, it's really good defense by the opposing team. Actually breaking it down, because I feel like in football, I feel like in combat sports, it's a lot more of just understanding how things work. Whereas in with the NBA, it's like, hey, this guy hit five threes. He's awesome. <laughs> like, um, So what do you think? Do you think the commentary, color commentary in particular, needs an overhaul, or do you, do you like it the way it is? Well, first, I, I think we're seeing insight. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, ESPN and the NBA being so close that, you know, this this may be, especially that he brought it up voluntarily. Uh, I mean, pretty clear indication. It may have been told to ESPN, <laughs> get Van Gundy out of there. He's complaining well, too much. Just just a note, J.J. Reddick did ask him specifically, hey, do you guys mm. have any involvement with the media? Adam Silver, now you can believe it wherever you can believe it, but or not believe it, but he denied having any involvement. He said they have involvement <laughs> within the schedule in terms of which teams get put on, but in terms of you know the commentary teams or how the presentation is, the NBA doesn't have any involvement with that. Take that as what you may. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I'm definitely not no. saying Adam Silver like – you know, stormed into the offices in Bristol <laughs> and said, yeah. he's out of here. But, uh, but there may be little like nudges here and there, you know, that, that happen um, little, little like signals that, Hey, maybe it would be a good idea for things to change. But anyway, kind of small potatoes. I, I think in response to Adam Silver's comment there and, and what you just asked me, um, I, I think, the color commentary and maybe some of our gripes with it is a symptom and not a cause. I think analyzing the sport has gotten dumber, I will say frankly. And I think a lot of that is due to social media and just the way that we as people consume product, whatever that product is. Uh, it's just with shorter attention spans and things like that. There's a lot less nuance. Now, I would say it's the responsibility of a good color commentator to cut through that and bring the great analysis anyway. You mentioned Hubie Brown. He's always been fantastic. I think things you and I have discussed with guests we've had on the show, they've all pretty much universally agreed. It doesn't really matter who we have on that color commentary. We're, we're here to watch the game. And so whether you have Jeff Van Gundy complaining about the game, which I think I want to be fair to Jeff Van Gundy. I think it comes out of a place of love and respect of course. for the game. Yeah. Um, even though I know it gets too whiny for some people and I can see how that can be annoying too. Um, but I, I do think that 
it's fair to criticize color commentary at times when it does get a little too emotion based feely rather and and we're not learning things about the game i mean one of the reasons john madden is iconic and will be forever maybe the greatest color commentator of all time for anything is that he taught america the sport of football you you really learned a lot about the game even in later years of his commentary that's one thing that hubie is is excellent at i personally would like to see more of that i don't know that it has an impact one way or the other. I don't, I certainly don't know if it has a positive impact on it, but I do think what we, what it would do is make people take basketball a little bit more seriously. Um, So I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent here and I apologize for that, but I've, I don't really go directly at color commentary, maybe the way that Adam Silver did in his comments. I think it's sort of a response. I mean, maybe what you want ideally is for your color commentators to avoid social media, if at all possible. You know, like we see many of the guys like Charles Barkley, who we bring up all the time. I know he's not doing games. I know he's been criticized when he's done games, but maybe you want some more blinders on. (laughs) And I don't think you can mandate that necessarily, but that might benefit the analysis that we're getting in games. I think it's the non-sexy part of a sports presentation. Yeah. But I think it goes a long way. And and I'll I'll say why. I'll tell you why. And I can totally relate to Adam Silver saying, and again, I always bring this up, but I think it's an apt comparison, and that's with mixed martial arts. I think what you mentioned with John Madden, that's how Joe Rogan is, is to MMA. People may disagree. Hardcore fight fans. I know they're disenchanted with Joe Rogan just based on many things happening these days, but yeah, but that's keeping it right of that, <laughs> but just let's keep it in real. When I got yeah. into the sport around 2005, I knew nothing about jujitsu, knew nothing about domestic grappling, wrestling. Joe Rogan was the one that explained why this is happening. Joe Rogan was explaining how, you know, to a common person, like this is boring. Why are they just hugging each other to explaining the intricacies of like, <laughs> Hey, this is, this is really like there. This is a war of attrition. This is what's happening and getting fighters that, you know, I would think are boring when I go to, you know, UFC parties, they're into the submission grappling. And that's because of Joe Rogan. And I'd be shot. That's like with, with some fighters that their main offensive weapons are, submission grappling and yet the fans are into it even though they're not the most exciting but yet they're fan favorites that's due to commentary that's due to education and if it was joe rogan just you know hot takes and just being hey ground game sucks this you know or or just not really explaining what's going on those guys wouldn't get over i don't think we would have you know the multitude of stars that have been able to really um grow in popularity so in regards to the NBA, when I take a look at like the Joker and we talk about Denver and all of a sudden people thinking, oh, Denver's good. Denver's been good for a long time. Like, where have you been? But at the same time, I don't think there is a respect for them in terms of the Joker's game. I don't think there is a respect to a casual fan of Tim Duncan's game. I don't think there's necessarily a respect for kind of, you know, unsung heroes within the league in terms of explaining, you know, why 
they're so important to their teams in terms of winning the championship, unless we're getting to like an NBA final situation. So I think with Adam Silver's criticism of explaining the complexities, I think he's hundred percent right. Even though I think to, you know, to your casual casual, you know, I mean, if we're having a party, you know, NBA finals party, I mean, the, the, the sounds usually down and people are talking, but I think to trying to get younger fans who are watching the NBA every night or have a league pass um, subscription, you want them to know just the intricacies of the game on a nightly basis. And I think the commentary has failed them on that front. And I think I agree with Adam Silver, a, a segment that goes a long way. And I wish we see more is Kenny Smith. He runs to the board. I think that's a good aspect of fun or it's like they're acting like goofballs, but once he's at the board, Hey, they're explaining what's happening. Shaq is explaining, hey, this is what's happening. These guys are really knowledgeable about basketball. We just don't see it. It's just more about hot takes, and I wish that is conveyed more. I think you can, you can have fun, but also convey what's happening in a game, in the game in a complex manner. So, Here's another thing, too, that I just thought of, and yeah. all great points that you bring up, I agree. When you have a sport like football – it's a big deal when you have a huge personality like John Madden. When you have a sport like the NBA, the stars shine in the NBA. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, you mentioned Tim Duncan and yeah, he's he's a little more mellow. <laughs> but yeah. the stars do shine overall in the NBA. So you don't really need like a celebrity high-end personality color commentator for these games. I, I think what you just mentioned is right on the mark that you, you need more of this analysis um, because even, even just in the mechanism of the sport of football with the stops and things like that, you, you kind of need some context for the breakdowns and formations they're going to in the context of these situations with basketball flowing so much um, you need someone who can really cut through with that quick and effective analysis in order to increase the appreciation of the sport and, and appreciate what you're watching in the moment. And I, I mean, call a spade a spade. If, if someone isn't playing great defense, if someone, you know, is tired or, or not working hard enough, that's fine, but explain why and be a little bit more descriptive about it. Um, and I, I'm not really even calling out any specific commentator. What I've seen so far this year, granted, I, I have not watched every game, but what I've seen so far this year has not seemed all that bad. Certainly not, not any egregious outliers. But the other thing, too, that I'll say that people bring up all the time that I bring up from time to time, because I do think it's it's a real issue that I want addressed in the NBA less time to finish these games, have it flow. It's not going to be exactly like soccer, but have it flow a little bit more and stop hitting the brake pads at the end of these games. Let's have some sort of mechanism in place to get through the fourth quarter in a way that's entertaining to view and where we don't have all this dead air all of a sudden that we have to talk about nonsense would i think help the color commentators out a lot I mean, yeah. you get some seconds where yes there's good analysis of the replay hopefully and then you're just you're sitting there for three minutes while the ref you know looks over the play and a decision is made so yeah. just in general that's not even for color commentary that's just bad tv in general yeah no it's true i think that leads to you know 
bad commentary, but I think at the same time, that's a good opportunity to explain, you know, what is happening as well. So we'll see if this, you know, becomes a thing or not. I just thought that was pretty profound because that was brought up, you know, on his own. He spent a lot of time just um, explaining how the viewers should know more about the complexity um, of the game. And he also touched on how, like with the NBA finals, uh, he wants to be similarly to the Super Bowl where, you know, basketball fans will just watch the NBA finals and not assess, hey, you know, who's in it? But it's going to watch um, compared to the Super Bowl, where you know it's a cultural event. So I think there's a lot of differences there. Super Bowl's one game, NBA Finals is seven games, right? You know, it's the more star-driven league. I mean, there's a lot of factors there that might be very challenging to make that happen. But I thought it was a very interesting interview with uh, JJ and Adam Silver. Yeah, definitely. Be sure to check that out if you're interested in those topics. And with that, we're going to wrap it up for In the Lab with Hoopsology, episode 10 of this season. You can, as a reminder, check out all our great interviews and previous content in our YouTube library or our podcast library. We are proudly presented by Ball is Life. You can get in touch with the show, hoopsologypod at gmail.com or go on X. I'm, I'm a lot more active on X than I used to be. We'll see that. Uh, we'll get in the conversation there and it'll be a great time as always be sure if you didn't catch it earlier this week, check out our interview with Danny Morang. really great topic Phenomenal um, interview. talking about the Dame trade in Portland and kind of some of the behind the scenes there, as well as the start of the scoot era over there. Be sure to check that out. Follow Danny, give him some love. Um, anything else, Justin? No, this uh, stay tuned. You know, this is um, the busiest part of the season is the beginning of the season for us. So we have a lot of great content. So just stay tuned. Absolutely. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Take care. Enjoy the basketball. Peace out. See ya. Thank you for listening to Hoopsology presented by Boss Life. If you have comments or questions about this episode, please email hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Also, leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on all social media platforms.